We have two Bible readings this morning. The first reading comes from the second book of Corinthians, Paul's um, letter to the Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and we start with verse 14. <coughs> Through to chapter 7, verse 1. And it's entitled, The Temple of the Living God. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I'll be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord. And touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you. And I'll be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. And we turn to Matthew 11, the last two verses of the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, commencing with verse 29. And here again we read Jesus' invitation to the whole wide world. Verse 29 of chapter 11. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is God's word. May he add his blessing to it to us this morning. Thank you so much, Rob. Before we start with the sermon, let us bow our heads. Oh, Heavenly Father, your word has spoken to us. And also now in exposition. We ask, Lord, that you will lead us through your spirit that you will give wisdom, that you will give insight, and that your word will find entrance in our hearts, that we will hear the gospel, but also that we will be holy as your people, your church, your temple. In Jesus' name, amen. Our text verse is from 2 Corinthians 6, verse 16. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall 
be my people. And the topic this morning, you are the temple of the living God. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, we are living in a society where everything is permitted. Everything goes. You can be what you want, the world says. And there's a big disclaimer. Believe what you want. But not if you are a Christian. If you are a Christian, accept, expect to be the odd one out. And so Christians are now a minority in Australia. Minority that need to defend their faith. And values. We know we are different. But maybe we ask why we should still proclaim the gospel knowing that we will get in trouble now. Be ridiculed, be mocked. Why do believers in persecuted countries still proclaim the gospel? knowing that it can lead to their death. Shouldn't we keep the gospel to ourselves? Just continue with our church here in the mountains. And let the world go and continue to their path of destruction. The Bible tells us no. Holiness is not the same as exclusion. And this is not according to God's word and God's plan to exclude ourselves. And Jesus instructed his church in Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. A city set in a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but put it on a stand, giving light to all the house. In the same way, let your light Shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And therefore we need to understand that exclusion from the world is different from holy. And as the Lord's temple, the Lord's people, we are called to be holy, but also to be the salt of the earth. And the light of the world. And we are called to be holy just as Israel was called to be holy. And so too must the church be holy. And holiness means that God has called us. But it also means that God has set us apart for himself. As his people. I'm your God, you are my people. Also, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. The congregation in Corinth struggled with this concept. Concept of holiness and separation. To be holy and to still live in this world. And the Christians in Corinth lived in a very worldly, immoral, and idolatrous society. 
may be the same as us in Australia. And so the environment had a very strong influence on them. And because of this strong influence, the case of immorality in a church could not be dealt with easily. Also dividing and divisive spirit amongst them. And some were adopting worldly tactics to deal with their problems. I preach about 1 Corinthians 6 as an example. When I went to the world court and worldly courts to deal with discipline matters. But a question that Paul asked and that he taught us this morning. How can we be relevant as churches in a heathen or mostly secular society? How can we be holy, but also the light of the world and the salt of the earth? We should see that salt, as Jesus told us that we should be, in the times of the Bible had a very important function. Today still, but a time before preachers, it works against the spoilage of meat. And when your meat is thoroughly salted, preserved, it is preserved, as we still do today with certain meat. Also, if you're South African, you know biltong is the best meat ever. That's what we do. But ancient Greeks and Romans had so much value attached to salt that they believed it was bad luck when you spilled salt. And if you know Leonardo da Vinci's painting, The Last Supper, Julius Iscariot is spilling salt on the table. There's quite a meaning on, about that. And therefore, you're the salt of the earth. But our Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew 5, If salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on the people's feet. Corinthians did not understand that. They still wanted to conform to the world. The problem was that they heard and that they understood that they needed to be holy, that they were the Lord's people, that they the Lord's church, Christians. But I said our situation is more complex. We still need to interact with non-Christians daily. 1 Corinthians 7, they had husbands and wives who were not Christians. And also, they had to do business with non-Christians. We understand this. Living in our society as well. We are Christians. We are now gathering as the Lord's people, as His church. But tomorrow we will go to work. With people who know nothing about Jesus. And immediately tomorrow morning when we start our cars, we will face people who will become monsters on the road. It's very likely that you will be cursed, called names, and that you will be utterly stressed when you arrive at work. And at work you will deal with people who are not believers. People whose morals are not the same as you. But to make it even more difficult nowadays, 
Some of our family members are also not Christians anymore. They don't behave like Christians as well. They start eating before praying. And sometimes, because this is who we are as Australians, we don't want to offend, we will allow this. It's difficult. And so the Apostle Paul gave great advice in this matter. And he began by showing the contrast between God and unbelievers, righteousness and lawlessness, light and darkness, Christ and Belial, believers and unbelievers, temple of God and idols. And these five comparisons were presented in the form of a rhetorical question. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? What portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And Apostle Paul explained that when we came to faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, we were in a covenant relationship with the Lord who is holy by nature. Our God is holy. Our God is a holy God. An idea behind the concept of holy, holiness is separation. That's what holy means, to be separate. Or cut off. And God is separate or cut off from everything sinful and evil. There's no evil and no sin in God. God cannot tolerate sin. And so the Apostle John described God's holiness in 1 John 1 verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. The Lord said of himself and of his people in Leviticus 20 verse 26, You shall be holy to me, for I the Lord am holy, and I have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. And to say that God is holy means there's no corruption in God's character. God says, be holy for I am holy. And we are now the temple of God. In our Lord Jesus Christ, the, Paul, the Apostle Paul says, same as the Apostle Peter who explained in his letter in chapter 2, 1 Peter 2, that we come to the living stone that was rejected, Jesus Christ. And when we came to him, we become the spiritual house in which spiritual sacrifices are offered to God through Jesus. And as we turn to Jesus, we the church became the very house of God. And so the Old Testament, while providing a place for God's people to meet with him, was made of dead stones, Peter said. They had limited access to the presence of God. But a spiritual house, the church, the members under the new covenant, is made of living stones. And all believers as a new priesthood have now access to the throne of grace. And that's Hebrew, Hebrews 10 verse 19 to 22. This is what it means to be the temple of the living God now. Living stones, you are 
God's people. This has great implications for believers still living in this world. In the first place, you need to be holy because God is holy. God is a holy and righteous God who will not tolerate any sin. And this relationship with God should bring some fundamental changes in the way we relate to others, especially with non-believers. We still need to be friendly. We still can enjoy each other's company and conversation for a time. But it is inevitable that as you grow in your love for Christ, some of the non-Christian friends will remain unreceptive and then they will become a party. But our relationships with non-Christians should never be over because with our daily interactions with people at home on the course of our work brings us into contact with them. The Lord placed us in Australia and God never intended to isolate ourselves. The Lord wants us to be in this world, to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. For it's only through their relationship with us that they can learn about Christ. And although God wants us to live in this world, we should not be off this world. This asks for wisdom. But it also asks for a balance in our interaction with unbelievers. We should be close enough to them to proclaim the gospel, but also separated enough to not be influenced. And that's the challenge. <coughs> and as a word of warning, we should never bring the world into our houses or our church, or think ourselves strong enough to not be influenced by unbelievers. Many mighty warriors fell because they were not on guard. Lot decided just to live near to Sodom. But it was not long before his family moved to the evil city. King David saw Bathsheba bathing, and he burnt with desire. First committed adultery, later murder. King Solomon, the wisest king, could not resist the strong influence of 700 wives and 300 concubines. So how can we find that balance in our interaction with the world? Pastor Paul gives great advice. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Verse 14. This advice comes from Deuteronomy 22 verse 10, which reads, You shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. These animals are different natures, and it was not productive to yoke them together. Yoking two oxen together would not present a problem, because the animals are equal in strength. They can pull heavy loads, but if you replace a, an ox with a donkey, it spells for disaster. Donkey is faster, but also smaller, weaker than an ox. Donkey will rebel by kicking the traces, holding it in its yoke. And the same is true of a believer and an unbeliever, Paul says. 
because we have different natures. When the believer responded to the call of Jesus in Matthew 11, verse 29 to 30, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Something changed. What changed? The Canons of Door, chapter 3, article 11, explain beautifully what changed through the working of the Holy Spirit. Our hearts has changed. And the Holy Spirit penetrates the inmost being of man. He opens the closed heart, softens the hard heart, circumcises the heart that is uncircumcised, infuses new qualities into the will, that's the nature, making the dead will alive, the evil one good, the unwilling one unwilling, and the stubborn one compliant. He activates and strengthens the will so that like any good tree, it may be enabled to produce the fruits of good deeds. Unbelievers are not like that. Still, very stone hearts. And that's Psalm 1. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. And so the Lord warns us. Believers, Psalm 1, should not walk together with unbelievers, but follow the way of wisdom. So in what ways had the Corinthian Christians become unequally yoked together with unbelievers? And how can we become unequally yoked with unbelievers? By marrying an unbeliever, which is the common way this principle is applied. And if you can remember, about three years ago, I had a sermon series about Nehemiah. And in Nehemiah 10, Judah made a covenant with the Lord that they will not give their daughters to unbelievers, to the even nations. That a follower of God should only marry a believer. Many of us have remarkable stories of how we've met and we believe it's the Lord's providence. That God wants to make and married something special before him and desires to draw us closer as we draw closer to him. And so the word of God warns that there will be difficulties if we marry someone who is not a believer. We also know that the Lord can do great things. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7 that we should not divorce because the Lord can change hearts. But we should never willingly choose that from the beginning. And so the whole idea of a marriage was also closely connected to the idea of a covenant or an agreement where Malachi 2 verse 14 says, She's your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. And that relationship we stand with the Lord. Where we serve the Lord together. And when we understand marriage is a covenant, we have something that bonds us together. And that's stronger than society's expectations. That's stronger than romantic love. We have a covenant with God and with one another. And therefore the Lord told us to marry believers. But Paul meant much more than marrying unbelievers. Applies to any environment where we let the world influence our thinking. When we are being conformed to the world, 
not being transformed by the renewing of our minds, Romans 12 verse 2. There we are joining with unbelievers in an ungodly way. And if the world is influencing your thinking, (coughs) then it's clear we are unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And this unequal yoke or ungodly influence may come through social media, Twitter, or all these things that our young people listen to and our older people as well. Maybe that movie. That's our task, their task, to influence our minds, to let us think different about marriage, about principles, and all things about the world. It's brainwashing us the whole time. This is what Hollywood is doing. Television shows, but also through worldly friends. And so the Corinthian Christians fought like worldly people, not like godly people. They gained this way of looking at life because of the ungodly associations that they didn't want to break. And Paul told him to break those yokes of fellowship with the ungodly. The Corinthian Christians were too loving and too affectionate in a sense that they thought it was accepting for them to allow lawlessness with righteousness, to accept darkness along with the light, to admit Belial along with Christ. And Belial means wickedness. It's another name for Satan. Paul said, no. Remember who you are. You are the temple of the living God. Also for you, people of God, remember who you are. God said, I will make my dwelling among you and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. God's desires for his people to be holy. And believers and unbelievers are in stark contrast with one another. And the very nature of a Christian, who is now in the yoke together with Jesus, demands that we are separated, separated from that which is unholy. Why? Because God walks with his people. God made a covenant with them that he will be their God and they shall be his people. And the Lord wants to give something better to his children. He showed them the way. He showed us Christ, the way of life. And Jesus said that his yoke is the better yoke. He's gentle. On the his yoke we can learn from, from him. To be as what we should be. For he is gentle and lowly in heart. And under his yoke you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Not a yoke of the ungodly but the yoke of Jesus. That's God's offer. And Jesus' yoke is the better way. The only way that leads to eternal life. And to further convince the congregation... Paul concluded with a quote from Isaiah 52 verse 11, Therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. We have received a calling as the Lord's people to live holy and to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. 
And this should be without conforming to the world. That's our challenge. How can we do that? Only on our knees with prayer. Where we seek our holiness and our identity in Jesus. People are so confused about who they are. We are Christians. Temple of the living God. This is who you are. And this is not our world. Our king is in heaven. And we are citizens of his kingdom, although we still live in this world. And the world is not our home. This is why you feel like a stranger sometimes. But we still live in this world. And while we are living in this world, we have a calling. And our calling is to live holy lives among the unbelievers. This is those who don't know Christ and to proclaim that a yoke of Christ is much better, more rewarding, gently, and will make you free and give you eternal rest. This is your challenge. To live holy in your conduct. To proclaim to those who are burdened by this world that in Jesus alone you can be free. That in Jesus alone you can forgive. In Jesus alone your life will be complete and meaningful and have purpose. In Jesus alone you will have eternal joy in suffering and all hope for the future, even if there's war on the horizon. And even then you will know God is in control. God has the big picture. Don't fear. Don't fear the future. And you will live to God's glory. And be obedient to His will as His people, His temple. And you will fear the Lord more as the people. Seven, Second Corinthians 7 verse 1. Where holiness will be to completion in the fear of God. Be obedient to His will. And you will know what real peace and joy can be. To make it practical. Brothers and sisters, you are called to be holy. Your behavior with unbelievers, with those who don't know the Lord. Maybe they are very close to you. But holy people are people who are distinct in their conduct. Holy people are different people because they belong to the Lord. Only people don't live as the world. They don't insult when they are insulted. They don't blaspheme with the world. And their behavior is honorable among the unbelievers. They forgive. They show love when they are insulted. In the name of Jesus. And they are obedient to authorities, but more obedient to the law. You will not fear to suffer because you know God is testing the genuineness of your faith. And you know that the Lord is using suffering so that you can grow. You know that God is with you, that God will not forsake you even on the deathbed. And you will live as someone who looks ahead to the eternal kingdom of the eternal King, 
And you will have a greater perspective because our Lord Jesus Christ has conquered death. And through his sacrifice on the cross and your faith in him, you will live forever. This is to live under the yoke of Jesus. It's worth it. It's all worth it. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Because you are the temple of God. Amen. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, you have placed us in Australia. And a society is becoming more godless this year in 2023. People who are godless in their conduct and behavior and want to be happy, but without you. Still, there's so much hope because you have placed your church, your temple, living temple, in the midst of these people to live holy lives, to be a salt, to be the light, and to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that the yoke of Jesus is much better than the yoke of unbelievers. That we should always live and put on the yoke of Jesus. And do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Father, you've explained that our nature is different and it's by grace alone. Give us the grace to live holy lives, to proclaim the gospel, but not to be influenced by the behavior of the ungodly, but to proclaim that Jesus is the better way, the only way, the truth, and the life. Father, we pray for our church here in Blacksland. There's so many influences in this world, so many things that we also can make compromises as the congregation of Corinth once did. So easy to compromise our faith. Keep us standing, Lord, firm. Our eyes directed only on our Lord Jesus Christ, that we wouldn't look left or right but only forward. And although we are sometimes persecuted and will be persecuted for our faith, although we are sometimes called names like bigots, that we will show the love of our Lord Jesus Christ and know that we belong to Jesus. That's our only comfort in life and death. Father, we pray that we can be holy because you are holy, but that we will never be separate, but live among this world to proclaim the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.